Welcome to Ticker Points. In this episode, we have a special guest in Gemma Begley, the former Trone player who retired in January. But for now, we're going to talk about the Ulster Championship, and it's been pretty exciting so far, Cahal. First off, what about Kevin Armagh at the weekend there? A lot of people are saying about the great game it was and great event um, it was to be at. Now, I was a bit disappointed there's only 16,000. I thought though, in numbers, especially for two teams that haven't done well in Ulster for some time now, I thought there'd been more at it. But um, the atmosphere was good. I think people are maybe eulogising a wee bit much about it. I didn't think it was a great spectacle. Yes, it was tense towards the end and it went, when it went into extra time, understandably, with so much at stake. But... It reminded me a wee bit of two boxers who got too close to each other and sort of spoiled their work. There was nothing really clean in terms of uh, the, the gameplay. A lot of stupid frees, which especially from the Armagh side of things, which I think looking back, you know, McGinney has to um, to address. A lot of high tackles around the neck, which, you know, the rules have changed and anything around the neck is red card, yellow, uh, definitely a yellow card anyway. Um, and a lot of wides kicked as well. Yes, it was controver- or it was exciting and controversial towards the end. You know, Ken Mackey's introduction off the bench was very telling, but I'm not sort of uh, blown away by other people. I think we've been starved of quality in the Ulster Championship for so long that any close games are um, talked about as if they were one a classic. Yes, it was tense. Yes, it was close. But certainly, I think we'll see at the weekend. There'll be a lot better for on the other side of the draw. That's interesting that you think that, you know, because the common perception is that this year's championship has been pretty exciting, you know, on I suppose on that side of the draw with Cavan beating Monaghan and pretty open game. And then the down arm clash, it was a pretty exciting game. But you think that maybe we're just crying out for, we're just getting too eager about Yeah, well, I think we're, I wouldn't say clutching at straws is maybe the way, the wrong way to look at it, but because it's been dire enough football for a while, like, and, you know, even if we do look at the Donegal for Mana game, you know, for majority of that game, outside of Michael Murphy kicking a few uh, nice points and McBrady in the corner kicking a, a good point off the left, the standard wasn't great. It was very defensive. Uh, Armagh down the first day, it was only, I suppose, uh, exciting because of how close and the teams were evenly matched. And then this goes back to if you want to talk about tier championship, then it makes it exciting. But the standard, I don't think, was anywhere near what Tro and Donegal will be um, next week. Uh, McVitie was very good. The the two Murray brothers um, played well. I've spoken about Mackie coming on. You know, Gerard McKernan is a you know a quality footballer, and it was quite open um, at times, which uh, I suppose goes against the sort of defensive nature of things. But a lot of wides kicked from simple positions that you know, if you're at the top of your game as an intercounty footballer, you should be um, putting them over. You know, freeze missed. I know the pressure was on, but. I just don't see these teams, whoever comes out of this uh, uh, semi-final will be beaten in the Ulster Championship and, you know, in terms of depending on the draw and the qualifiers, I can't see either of these teams making the Super 8. It was exciting for the supporters, but, you know, decision-making wasn't great and, you know, the execution was okay at times, but nothing near where it needs to be if you want to challenge for the big prizes. I'm thinking that Armagh probably should have beat down in the first game. They had plenty of chances to beat down. They come to this game, they don't get over the line again, you know, how many lives have they got? Well, yeah, that, that's interesting, but the thing is, the game management, like, Armagh coming off that, they're saying, yes, the name's still in the pot, and that's great to still be involved at this stage of the year, given especially they've come from 2014, they hadn't won an Ulster Championship game, 
But at the end of that game, they, they were man up, they were two points ahead, all they had to do was manage the game properly. And um, you know, even at the end of extra time, they played around with the ball after Stephen Campbell scored the festive point. They tried to hold the ball, they got dispossessed by McVitie and then Mackey stepped up and um, kicked his third equalising point. And we talk about clutch players, he's a man with a wealth of experience. He played 2005, he was on that Calvin team that went to three replays with Down, who went on to win the All-Ireland. And Coincidentally, uh, my team in the, uh, when I was a minor beat down in the Ulster final and then we were turned over by Mayo. So I, I know some of those Calvin players well, but he stepped up when they needed a cool head and could have won it at the end. But it's exciting because it's close and they're at the right um, level. And I think that is a ringing endorsement of a tiered championship. Will they go much further than this? You know, the supporters might, you know, it's a good day for the supporters on another day in Clonus. You know, you can't beat that, especially if the sun's shining. But uh, I'll, I'll not be um, buying my old Ireland final tickets just yet. Thanks very much for your time, Carl. Thank you, Ronald. So this week's guest is Gemma Begley from Cragmore. She played for Trone for 14 years, won two All-Stars and an Ulster title. She retired in January and is working with the Women's GPA as a project manager. So Gemma, I got you on this week because you were retired in January and we sort of wanted to see what life is like just after playing because you were such a big name and so so famous in the ladies game. How you react to not playing anymore. You did a piece with us recently in the Gaelic Life and you talked about you were gone before anybody ever knew. So you had made a decision that you were going to quit beforehand, before anybody knew. Uh, I'd say at the start of last year I kind of knew myself, never mind. Um, I, after last season, was uh, content at that stage, I would say. Um, Why was that? Just playing, like, as you say, 14 years. It's long enough, like, and um, seen plenty of ups and downs with Tyrone and struggling with Achilles injury for the last five or six years. And there's so much good young talent coming through in Tyrone. Just probably hadn't the same hunger. Just was very content, I suppose, at that stage to um, probably leave Tyrone in a good place and, and go on and, and take on some new challenges in life. So you always wanted to play for Tyrone whenever you are young? Oh, aye, aye. That was uh, an obsession from no age, as I say, that um, was only looking back there a while back, that uh, even from the summer camps, I suppose, when they were probably only starting back at that stage, back in 95, I remember made up in Carrickmore and Brian Dehur and Peter Cannon coming. That was the year Throne had the run to the All-Ireland final. And sure, it was probably one of the standout memories, I suppose. Um, just always football, that was all I ever wanted to do. What players were you looking up to or were you trying to be like? Canavan was the big hero at that stage. Um, and then probably a couple of years after that, um, 1989, Tyrone ladies got to the Junior Learn final. And Tyrone, what I, or sorry, Carrick Moore, uh, had probably Elish Gormley, Lynette Hughes, I think Connie Fox might have been on at that stage as well. Um, so I had no shortage of, of great role models within my own club, um, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. What about the highs? You know, was it 2010 or what would have been the, the high point for you? Um, definitely 2010, something very special now. As I say, we'd, we'd been knocking on the, the door for a few years. We'd been to a few semi-finals. Um, 2009, we won the Ulster Championship, but it was a, a disappointing defeat, I think, to Cork in the quarter-final. We were well beaten. Um, and then 2010, probably seemed like it came out of nowhere, but uh, I suppose we knew the talent we had and the, the amount of work that was going on uh, in the background. With Niall, Niall Colton and Colm Donnelly managing us that season, the work the boys put in was just phenomenal. And we had some brilliant players, like Sarah Donnelly, 
um, in midfield and Sarah Connolly, a short-lived senior career, but she was just a phenomenon at underage. Um, and it was fantastic to see them girls getting that opportunity to put themselves, I suppose, on the, the biggest stage, if you like. So it was, it was probably one that really stands out. Um, last year was obviously brilliant, I suppose, for a very different reason. Probably felt like I had more like a, a custodial role at that stage nearly. That, you know, it was like the, just kind of meeting the young ones and bringing them through and, and watching them reach their potential um, was something very special as well for different reasons. Um, I think a reference in the article probably wasn't too happy with the, the regrading. But I suppose to see the the impact that it had, and in fairness, there was a great setup brought in after that. Um, Jerry Moan and Barry Grimes, Sarah then went on to become involved in the strength and conditioning. Um, there's a brilliant setup there now uh, for the girls. Probably don't realise how lucky they've got it <laughs> compared to back in the Lex of 2010. You know, when we were we were just scraping by, but um, it was very special as well. It was a nice way to to bow out, I suppose. The 2010 year was a incredible team like you know the, yeah. what was the secret to that team what, what what made it so what made them so good was it the bond or the um, balance of players or the management or what was it i probably just was everything came together like the it probably was <clears throat> very very unique um i'd always say like we, we beat court that year and they hadn't been beat i don't know many years before that they were going for six or seven in a row at that stage um, in championship, but always say what I said the, the Tuesday night before that um, game, we knew training. Like I just knew from the buzz, I think that we weren't going to get beat that that weekend. There was just something special, um, and you can probably feel that. I suppose when you're involved with teams, you know whenever there's something special in there, and it was probably just the effort. Like I can st- still stands out in my head doing press ups in the snow, and then uh, you sport Noma on a. I think there was only seven of us. Maybe turned out for training one morning, and we still we still did the work. Like there was nothing we wouldn't do at that stage. And Niall, this fantastic um, coach and man management, uh, or man manager, woman manager. Um, so, you know, they were a massive factor in it. Um, probably nothing they wouldn't have done for us either. So, um, I just very special, just sort of clicked for us that year, but great memories. Yeah. Um, and was there any regrets that you had during your career, or have you just put it all behind you? You probably would have regrets. Like, you'd still maybe, I suppose, whenever you're looking back on, on different years, you probably always would have thought you could have done, you always think you could have done better, I suppose. Um, you're talking about 2009. But you know, on 2007 was the first year was we really came through. Um, Mayo beat us in Breffney Park. We were up at half time, I think, and they came back on us with probably one, that was my like first big crushing defeat, if you like, that, to think that we threw something away, maybe at senior level. I remember 2005 being taken off before half time against Monaghan in an Ulster Championship final, I think it was. Um, so there's been plenty of bad days too, but uh, I suppose the learn wiser you get, you keep it all in context. Um, I suppose nobody is, or nobody would be able to say. I don't think that they have no regrets. Um, but uh, if you've made, if you've done your best, I suppose, and, and uh, always try to do things for the right reasons, um, I think you can be content enough. Is the reason why you've moved into working as a project manager in the women's GPA? Is that because you couldn't stay away from the game? Another way to give give back, or what was their thinking there, or did just an opportunity came up and you wanted to do um, something to help them? It probably was that. It was just the timing of it, maybe as well. Um, things probably weren't as good in Tyrone at that stage. That was two thousand fourteen, fifteen. It was setting up, um, and it probably just felt like that there, were, like the, there was just something more. There was an opportunity there that the players could come together and make a positive change. Um, and you probably see just how much the game was changing and you know how much good was going on I suppose, in the GA and about how the, the, 
kind of look over jealously at how the, the lads county players I suppose were being looked after and it really was just an element of we can do better here like let's pull our socks up and do, do something collectively and it was just the timing of it I suppose that's why I got involved in the first place um, and it's it's been something I suppose that I've uh, been passionate about and it probably taps into sort of that notion of the social conscience I suppose um, probably want to help others and maybe feel like you can you can give something back um, it probably was a, some sort of an element in that as well, like the, the legacy, I suppose, of what you're, you're able to make things better for the ones coming behind you. What's the next goal for you uh, in terms of working with the women's CPA? The women's CPA, just keep improving things. Like There's a lot of change, even we're what, four and a half years now since we were set up, and uh, things have come a long way. As I say, that they're getting the government grants now, and um, there's an awful lot of uh, off-field um, supports for players that they never had before, the likes of the was the counselling, scholarships, um, personal development coaching, careers advice, all that sort of stuff. People do put on hold to a certain extent and it happens in the ladies game too. I know probably my own athletic identity was so tied up in football for a long time I didn't care what I'd done in my professional life and it probably now can relate to other people when you see that. Um, and I think it's just that that um, that sense of looking after players better. Like girls still don't get travel expenses. Even five years ago, there was, or sorry, four years ago, there was only 7%. I think when we first surveyed it, there was only 7% of players that got travel expenses. Most of them probably now get some sort of food after training. That was never, like probably up to a couple of years ago, most teams wouldn't have got, I'd say, hardly anything. Um, and it is a bigger challenge. Like we're now fighting against the AFL to how long their players. Um, we're fighting against the Rugby Sevens. Um, maybe netball, I suppose, is the other, uh, between Neve and, and Caroline as well. But, do you know what it really is that notion of investing in these people who are given so much to loss, so much enjoyment. Um, they're such role models in their county. They actually affect participation. Um, and that's our challenge is just to keep looking after them and improving their playing experience and then looking after them as people off the field as well. Um, so it's, it's something we'll, we'll keep fighting the good fight on it. It's a big job and there's a lot yeah. more work to do. That's it. Gemma, that's great. Thanks for your time. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for being part of Take I Your Points. Thank you. So now we're going to speak to Gemma and Kyle about some of the major issues um, facing us at the moment. And one of, one of those, I think, uh, particularly because you're on, Gemma, is uh, the issue of equality. Now, you've been in our paper or before talking about how you think that things need to be done to improve the quality. Do you want to expand on that? Do you want to talk more? Do you think there's more work to be done? There probably is. As I say, it was probably especially at county level. Um, maybe there's more potential there. Um, a club level is a good model with the one club model. Um, and then I suppose the, the clubs that use that, it works very well. Um, in counties, I know it's especially, uh, I suppose, the facilities and um, getting supporters and sponsorships and things like that. Um, probably see more potential for integration and working together. I suppose you see the popularity now, especially of, of the games and the fact that double headers and that work so well. And I think Ulster's probably maybe ahead of the other provinces that maybe have been for a few years, uh, which is great to see. Like it's um, it works so well even this weekend coming obviously um, Tyrone and, and Donegal the double headers there as well. Um, you see things like that working so well, and it is such a, a family and community orientated organisation that we're working with. Do you know it makes so much sense. The players still face probably a, a lot of challenges at, at the county level. Um, they'd be putting in the same effort and um, same commitment as the, I suppose as the lads um, and probably just maybe still don't feel like they're, they're getting the same uh, access to 
the things they need to be the best athletes they can be, which is what they always want. But I think things are going in the right direction in terms of coverage, in terms of integration. Obviously, the, the GA and the two associations are working a lot closer together now, and it probably will at some stage. I can see it in the future being integrated. Um, so I would like to think that things will keep going in the right direction. Do you think that the doubleheaders will have a beneficial effect to the ladies' game, camogie and ladies' football? I think they definitely do. Just that wee bit of recognition, even if it's only like maybe somebody that's never been at a game before, just coming in for the, even you'd see it filling up the last sort of 15 or 20 minutes and just getting the programme in their hand and getting them to see the players' names and things like that. And I suppose you'd anecdotally always hear that sort of throwaway comment, oh God, it's not that bad, you know, whenever they're actually exposed to it just give it a chance I would say I, I do think in terms of just breaking down them barriers uh, I think it's it's a massive thing and as I said um, just for families and for, for clubs and whoever's going to the games it makes so much sense um, to bring everyone together so I think they're a, a massive good thing. The ladies game is nearly a better product than the men's game in terms of uh, entertainment value and I know a colleague of mine manages a ladies football team and he says that the best game he's watched maybe in years is, was an under-16 girls match because it was so open and so attacking. They play a, a different game, more entertaining game. Would you agree? or? I hear that regularly about ladies football especially. Um, just the speed of it, I suppose, the last couple of years has gone through the roof. Um, the Dublin and Cork game, I suppose, fairly recently, the league semi-finals, I think, that um, it's just, you know, it's such a spectacle and there's they're tight games and... It's probably less cynical. There's less um, passing it back and forward across the middle of the pitch, which is uh, which is a good thing. Um, there, now it has got more tactical. I'm not saying there's not uh, it's not hell for leather, free for all sort of thing, but um, certainly in terms of entertainment value, like the last I don't know over the last 10, 15 years, the amount of all Ireland finals that have been won by a point or two points, it probably says a lot. You know, in their high scoring games as well. Um, so it's it is a great spectacle, and and you'd hope. I suppose coming back, to, he'd hope that exposure um, just you know breaks down the barriers and, and hopes hooks a few more people onto the game. Kyle, were you one of the ones that were hooked? You wrote a column recently in our paper about equality in the ladies' game, and you felt that time is right for more exposure to these games. What was your reason for writing it? I wrote my article a couple of months ago on the eve of International Women's Day, and it was really to set out where the, the women's game has been and where it has come to and last year the GAA signed a memorandum of understanding with uh, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association in terms of putting together more intricate framework in terms of promoting the games across the board and I would agree with Gemma in relation to that promotion is key and I've spoken about promotion in terms of the GAA in the wider sense uh, you know, has to be at the forefront of everything we do and I think the double headers are good as that hook in terms of where Patrons come to games where the senior games are on and then they come in a bit earlier for the, the women's game and you know they're exposed to that product and the, the great games that they do have um, in relation to uh, the standard as, as uh, Gemma has talked about. There's less uh, cynical play, there's less you know defensive, there's still tactics involved in it obviously but you know as a product it is right up there and you know when you have some great athletes like Caroline O'Hanlon um, or Amy Mackin just talking about the, the Armagh ladies, you know, they are world-class athletes as well. We've seen what the likes of Sarah Rowe has done um, and Cora Staunton down in the, 
the AFL in Australia. And, you know, getting that exposure to the right number of people um, is key. And I think the professionalism that have come come into it and the seriousness of, you know, the dedication that the the girls put in, um, you know, is second to none. And it's only going to get more professional as the centre of excellence um, increases, you know, the sponsorship and a lot more people are... Um, becoming more aware of what they're doing and the, the, the levels that they've attained. And a, a prime example is, you know, last year's All-Ireland Final game, there was 51,000 on it, you know, and that was, a, at the time, a European record. We have the, the Women's World Cup um, starting this week as well, and I think it's a great time for that level of exposure to women's camogie and women's Gaelic football, and I'd be an advocate of uh, what they're trying to do. Are they getting their fair share, though? You know, their fair share of resources? question. <laughs> I suppose there's always an argument for it um, in terms of their own association effectively. Each Camogie and the LGFA county board are separate and that's always going to be an argument I suppose thrown back at, um, at ladies teams but uh, I suppose when you look at the bigger picture stuff um, as I say it works so well at clubs when the associations work together I think that's where you can get the economies of scale if you like. Uh, we were just talking about the Armagh Centre of Excellence You'd kind of wonder, is it, is it better for separate resources and infrastructure spend or would you be better coming together and like letting all the teams use that? Like the, I suppose each county centre of excellence or county grounds or whether it's uh, club grounds that are dedicated for counties. Um, in terms of government funding, I suppose there's quite a big discrepancy but it's fairly new in the ladies game. But in terms of the first uh, couple of years, like the, the governance had to be proved, it had to be proved that it was working and making an impact um, and it has been received very well doing what's right for the ladies game it's not just necessarily replicating what's best for the men's game but it's like looking at the ladies game in their own context um, and it was felt very much at that time that it was more useful for like girls just want the chance to be the best athletes they can be and like for them to be going to training and not even having maybe a strength and conditioning coach or performance analysis that was a priority area to address I suppose so you kind of standardise that that level of basic minimum standards first and then keep growing the game um, so that's one area, I suppose, one very specific, tangible thing that we would he- hope to keep growing and I suppose we'll keep making the argument for that in the years to come. It's incredible that they're able to play at the level that they play at and not have the same resources. You wonder, what, maybe, are, are the men getting too much, you know? What do you think, Cal? Do <laughs> you, think, you think they've got enough? Are they going the right way? Uh, well, I think they've been trailblazers in terms of everyone's talking about the tiered championship. And it's not a... And I would certainly look at the, the Ladies Gaelic Football Association and the Camogie Association. They're not all waiting on handouts from the, the likes of government. And, like, when we're looking at the Ladies Football Association, they're still not recognised by Sport NA so you know that's an issue up here but what they have done is taken it upon themselves to actually enhance the product they're um, uh, producing like Lidl coming in sponsoring has made a major benefit to what they're trying to do and you know how they have structured their championship we've talked to her blue in the face um, and I did an article on tier championships in terms of the football and that was something that the, the ladies game of had in for a number of years now and has reaped serious rewards in terms of the interest, the popularity of the game, in terms of the competitiveness of the offering. We've talked about you know the high-level Dublin Corks of this world, but also um, locally, uh, the, the Antrim girls, what they're doing, Fermanagh as well, and Derry, the success that they've had, that can only be a positive thing. And when I talk about my club, we have recently set up a, a women's um, football club within the other uh, three codes that, that we have 
and the number of young girls that are uh, they're enjoying the game and it's really gone from strength to strength and um, you know it's certainly something when they talk about resources they're not waiting on these handouts they're really pushing on to produce a product and you know they have to be commended to that and to be honest with you some of the men's teams and the administrators in the, the men's side of things could take a, a leaf out of the women's book I think. Yeah and you would say that the men's game should start considering moving to a tiered structure? I think it probably makes sense, like in the long run. If you're just doing it because that's the way it's always been done, like that's not the right reason to be doing it. Like they should properly look at it and come up. I know there's proposals sort of all over the place. I don't know what's the, the hot one at the minute, but um, I do think you need to be doing what's in the best interest of the game and keeping players in the game is the other thing too. Like this notion of, I suppose, going out and training for maybe three or four months for a championship and then playing a couple of games um, and you make it hammered in both games. Like it's not good for anybody. Like. If it makes more sense, do you know why would you not do it? Why would you not give lads a chance to, I suppose, have success, um, a realistic chance? And maybe if it is more of a, a Champions League style format or World Cup format or whatever it is, um, do you know to give them more games as well? That's all anybody wants is to to play more games. Yeah, we spoke about it already in the show, but uh, I was looking at it and thinking to myself, oh, Dian Armagh cracking game, Kevin Armagh cracking game. This is a this is proof that we don't need a tier championship, but then there's a counter-argument to that. Mm. Those teams are at the same level, so in a tier championship, they would be playing against each other. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, well, absolutely, and that's exactly the benefit of a tier championship, that you have teams playing against each other. But let's look at the opposite of that there. You know, everyone was lauding Limerick uh, for beating Tipperary in the Munster Championship, and they went out against a Cork team, which are no uh, great shakes and they get absolutely hammered. And then look at Antrim, what benefit is it to that Antrim team? And you know, I know a, a number of the guys personally living in Belfast, but going up to knowing that they're going to be beaten by Throne and trying to keep the score down, it's, you know, it's nice to pull the jersey on and you know, that's brilliant and say you've played for the county in an Ulster Championship, but it's doing no one any good. And I attended the, the Saffron's Business Forum a number of weeks ago and all anyone was talking about was, you know, the current structure is not helping Antrim football. Um, and the, the converse of that again is, look at the Antrim hurlers, how they're going, the Joe McDonough. You know, at the right level, they're playing some brilliant stuff. The game of the weekend against Offaly was top notch. Getting good coverage in relation to that there. So promotion is key. You package it and you promote it properly. Um, at the right level and you know it can be a really vibrant championship and I am a big advocate of the tiered championship um, and I think it also promotes uh, participation as well. Good time to leap on to the weekend's games. Uh, what do you think about the Hurling Championship matches and we're playing with Meath, uh, Derry are playing Meath and Christy Ring and Down are playing Roscommon. How do you see those matches going? Well, I suppose uh, in terms of Down and Roscommon, uh, Down are coming off a massive victory over a Donegal team, which, to be fair, are significantly depleted with you know departures from the team and um, injuries. I fancy Down to overcome Roscommon. I was actually pretty surprised that Roscommon did as well as they, they have done in the Christian ring. I thought that this might have been too much for them. So certainly I would say the, the way the, the Down guys are going there, they've been impressive so far during the, the course of the Christian ring. I think they'll win that there. In terms of the Derry-Meath game, you know, Derry didn't really impress last week. Um, and. Meath are a very strong outfit, haven't played against them on a number of occasions. It wasn't that long ago that Meath were beating uh, Antrim in the uh, Christian Ring final uh, prior to the, the Joe McDonald change. Um, and they still have a lot of um, strong guys in there, so, so I think that it'll be a, a Meath down final and not there. 
in terms of the Nicky record, from my own perspective, uh, Armagh Tron will be a really uh, interesting game. Um, Tron are going very well. I picked Mayo to win uh, the Nicky record at the start of the season, and you know they've been very uh, lacklustre. And I think it's with the the Torine guys. Um, you know they have a, one of the, the main clubs in there, and uh, you know some of the guys have opted out of the team and. I was shocked actually that Sligo, another team that from when I played, uh, were in operating at the Larry Moore, and you know they have a good chance of making a final as well. So um, I think I can't go against Armagh against Throne. That would never be the case. That'd be railroaded from Middletown. So I think Armagh will do the business there, and you know I think maybe with the additions that Sligo have put in, I'll, I'll go with a Sligo Armagh final in the Nicky Rager. And in terms of Joe McDonough. Antrim, very impressive at the weekend, it has to be said. You know, they went down to 14 men, which was, uh, well, controversial enough sending off. And then in terms of turning over, and I think maybe we look at Offaly because they're the, the powerhouse when, you know, I was certainly growing up and uh, hitting the ball against the wall as a, a younger man. But, um, you know, they have been, I suppose that's the level they're at again. You know, talking about tiered Joe McDonough, they're at that level for a reason. If they were any better, they would be competing in the name McCarthy. But the fact of the matter is they got relegated last year for because they weren't good enough and they haven't been great in the, the Joe McDonough. But, you know, I think Antrim, um, I, I thought Kerry in the opening game would have beaten them, but they, again, were very impressive there and they've continued on that streak. So um, I think uh, it'll be an Antrim win. It's, Antrim's just a, a case of attitude really like I mean they've got smashing hurlers like really really good players um, but if they don't believe then they're awful but whenever they do believe they're going to be brilliant. Michael Lagman talked about Neil McManus at the uh, weekend there and the great player that he was and you know he, he is a very capable player and he's been a good leader for Cushendall as well but you know and I was shocked actually James McNaughton didn't start but they have some you know really good um, players and you know, on their day, they're a match for anyone. Now, Westmeath are a good outfit as well, but certainly um, I think Antrim need to, number one, get their best players out, which I think they have, and then have buy-in from those players. They went away and we talked about the, you know, the uh, warm, warm weather training camp that they went on, and I think, to be honest with you, that's really um, galvanised the team and they look a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Gemma, you are facing into a championship this year which you're not playing in. How, well, how do you feel about that and do you think... What do you think about this weekend's matches? Uh, I'm more than happy to be honest with you, sitting <laughs> watching. Um, I think it'll be a great championship. As I say, Ulster's very competitive. The senior championship and Throne Donegal, I suppose, no better way to start. Uh, be a great challenge for Throne now, just up from intermediate. And uh, they've had a few great battles with Donegal and challenge matches, even over the last couple of years. There's never been much between them. So it'll be a good, I suppose, litmus test to see where they're at. And it'll be good to see if they can, they can raise their game for it. Um, I suppose Donegal probably would have been big favourites if it had been even up to last year, but they've probably lost a few, just a wee bit of class this year. Um, so I, I'd say it'll be a tight enough game. I wouldn't like to call it either way. I wouldn't want to bet against Tyrone. Um, and Armagh and Monaghan is the other game then as well. And again, it'll be it'll be so tight. I don't know, like probably probably Armagh slight, slightly favour them. Monaghan are probably going through a wee bit of rebuilding at the, at the minute as well. If going through a few players, Armagh probably just a wee bit more settled. Um, plenty of class up front as well. It's always, a, I think, a match winner on its day. So it'll be it'll be an interesting weekend now to see what, what comes out of it. And will you have any interest in the men's game? I might watch. I might stay for it too. First 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> um, aye. No, it'll be a good game as well. It'll be, it'll be very tactical. Um, but I'd like to see Tyrone doing well as well. Do you, would you agree this is the winner of this to win the Ulster Championship? 
I would never like to bet against um, Armand or Calvin. Uh, did some some battle there at the weekend. Might might sharpen them up, but I would say they'll be strong favourites now. Whoever whoever wins the Tyrone Donegal match. Yeah, uh, Donegal are Tyrone team. No matter who comes out, be it Calvin or be it Armagh, I'd say there's going to be six seven points in the Ulster final, and that's from Armagh's begging. <laughs> Okay, thanks very much for your insight and analysis. We have decided that uh, it's going to be Tyrone or Donegal winning this year's Ulster Championship. Um, and thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. <laughs>